second reading is from 1 Peter 1, verse 22, and it's on page 1113 of the Bible. By obedience to the truth, having purified yourselves for sincere love of the brothers, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached as the gospel to you. So rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, desire the pure spiritual milk so that you may grow by it for your salvation, since you have tasted the Lord is good. Coming to him a living stone, Rejected by men, but chosen and valuable to God. You yourselves, as living stones, are being built into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it is contained in the scripture, Look, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honoured cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honour will come to you who believe, but for the unbelieving... The stone that the builder rejected, this one has become the cornerstone and a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the message. They were destined for this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a God's people. You have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Evening, everyone. Well, I've finally done it. I've finally taken the last step in becoming an Aussie. And I bought a Wallabies rugby jersey. My uh, Welsh mother actually bought me this. How messed up is that? (laughs) Uh, I think it's the last step in me becoming an Aussie. Um, Last year we became citizens. Um, uh, My kids were born here apart from Johnny. The other day when I was in the the pub, I chose to have a Tui's New over a Guinness. Um, I say data, I say router, I say capsicum. That's pretty Australian, isn't it? But of course, I'm affected by my birth. Um, I still have a pretty English accent, I think. I can't stand Vegemite. I don't know how anyone eats that stuff. And I also thank motorists uh, as I cross a zebra crossing, uh, which no Australian seems to do. If you're, if you're from overseas and you've come to Australia, you'll know what I mean. In England, even the hardest of criminals say, put their hand up and say, thank you for stopping at the zebra crossing. Um, in tonight's passage, uh, Peter tells us that if we're a Christian, then we have had two births. We've had a physical birth into our country of origin, and we have had a spiritual birth. It's there in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 23. He says, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Now, Peter tells us that we 
have been born of this imperishable seed. And tonight he wants you to give up your Aussiness, to give up your, all that makes you Australian and to be shaped and molded by this new birth, by this birth of the imperishable seed that is the word of God. Now he's not saying, uh, give, I want you to give up uh, Vegemite or cheering for the wallabies in the rugby. Uh, what he's saying is he wants us to ditch the hardwired behavior that, we, that was hardwired into us uh, when we were born. Uh, you can see it there in uh, chapter 2, verse 1. He says, So rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. In 1 verse 24, he talks about the glory of men, and he says, ditch that. In chapter 2, verse 8, uh, he talks about how Jesus is a stumbling block and a rock which all of our countrymen trip over. Peter says he wants us to ditch that rejection of Jesus, that hard-heartedness towards Jesus, and allow our imperishable birth to shape who we are. Uh, Because uh, all along he's been saying that this imperishable birth makes a difference to us. It makes us different. That's why we've called this series different. It makes us different. And so we are collectively to be different And so collectively, we're to make a difference in the world. Now, that's uh, not an easy thing, is it, to have our Christian birth shape who we are and what we are and what we do. Uh, We know that uh, all too easily, the things of our birth come out when we least expect it. The bad habits and the the instincts that are hardwired into us. I remember when I was a, a kid saying goodbye, uh, my dad dropping me off at primary school and him doing all these embarrassing things, these embarrassing gestures that made him look so weird and always trying to give me a kiss in such an embarrassing way with this uh, embarrassing body language. And now that I have kids, I see exactly those traits in me as I drop the kids off at primary school. The things of our natural birth just come out. But Peter says, I want you to ditch those things that are hardwired into you and embrace this imperishable birth. Well, I've got just um, three things from this text tonight. There's tons in this passage, and I'd love you to go away and mull and meditate on this passage and tell me what it's all about uh, once you've done that. But I've got three things for us to chew on. Uh, Firstly, this imperishable birth breeds imperishable love. That's verses 22 to 25. And the command, there's a command there in verse 22, at the end of verse 22. uh, Peter says, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Now, I'm all right with this command, not like last week's command, which was be holy. That was the religious boring command. This command I can do. Um, I've heard the songs. All you need is love, right? Uh, Love is all around. There is the power of love. I know how to do this thing. Uh, I like this. Uh, It's quite palatable, isn't it? Uh, The confronting thing, however, is that second, the end of verse uh, 22. Do you see how we're to love one another? He says, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. That's quite confronting, isn't it? It's quite confronting. uh, I'm exposed as I read that. I'm exposed for how I have not loved with a pure heart. 
I'm exposed when I've done loving things for the wrong reasons to get the glory uh, of doing a nice thing in front of people. Um, I'm exposed when I've uh, done a loving thing, but inwardly my heart is anything but pure. Inside I am seething and not wanting to do that thing. It's, It's pretty pretty confronting, isn't it? Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 says, love does not envy, uh, is not boastful, is not selfish, does not keep a record of wrongs. And we know, every one of us uh, knows that we so easily, we find it so hard to love each other earnestly from a pure heart. Uh, All Christians are challenged by this, aren't we? We're all exposed by this command. But we're also all equipped by. Uh, we're, we're also all equipped for this command. So, verse twenty-two, uh, Peter says, "By obedience to the truth, having purified past tense yourselves for sincere love to the brothers, love one another earnestly from a pure heart." This is a collective command. He's talking about how we, as a congregation here, behave to each other, and he says, "If you're a Christian here tonight." then you are perfectly equipped to love each other. The blood of Christ has wiped the slain clean. He has put his spirit inside you and he has caused, he has enabled us to love each other uh, with a pure heart. Uh, Now, it's easy to to say love one another. It's easy for me to point out you're a Christian, therefore you should love each other. Uh, Preachers always do that. You should do this, you should do that. Uh, But the motivation is not any of those things. The motivation is actually our birth, isn't it? Because the the, the, uh, important word there is verse 23, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Uh, Peter kind of obsesses with the whole imperishable concept, doesn't he? We heard back in chapter 1 that, uh, that we have an inheritance that is imperishable. If we're Christians, uh, if we're the real deal Christian, then your faith is imperishable. Last week we learned that uh, we are saved by the imperishable blood of Jesus. And here Peter says we are born by the imperishable seed, literally fathered by the imperishable seed, the enduring word of God. And what that means is that we need to have a long-term view. If we're to love each other earnestly, we need to know that this is the stuff that lasts. We learned back in chapter 1 that we have been born into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and we've received an inheritance that is being kept for us, and we are being kept for it until the day when we receive that inheritance, enter the new creation, and enjoy eternity in a world where there is no more mourning or or crying or pain or suffering. And what Peter is saying, until that day when you are made perfectly like Christ, when you can love perfectly with all the right motives in all the right ways you will love in all the right ways with all the right motives for eternity until that day practice he's commanding us church by the bridge to practice and that is imperishable i think that's why he pitches it up against uh, verse 24, uh, when he talks about human flesh and he talks about human glory, he says, uh, all flesh is like grass 
and all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. You see all those wrong motives, the desire to glorify ourselves, to make ourselves look good in front of other people, to do things uh, without a pure heart. All that, all that makes us human, all those uh, ingrained instincts that we were born with naturally, well, they are all perishable. I did have some um, North Sydney grass. I brought it with me, but it somehow got lost in between uh, Lavender Bay and here. Um, uh, but it, uh, as you look at grass, it is just perishable. It just disintegrates. Uh, if I'd have picked it up tomorrow, it would have been uh, no more this grass, this dry stuff. It just floats in the wind. Well, Peter says human glory is like that. All that is flesh is like grass. And all, that is, all its glory like a flower of the grass. So perhaps you're here tonight and uh, you are working. Your, your desire is for self-glory. Your desire is for the things of this world. Well, Peter says, don't work for those things. Work for the things that last. Love each other. And that should shape uh, the way we are as churches, the way we are as 645, as we go into this uh, new chapter with all these new congregations. As we form these new congregations, that should shape how we are. We're to love each other because that is the eternal. That is the imperishable. Now, I know we're pretty good at loving each other. I've experienced uh, that love firsthand. Uh, we had uh, so many um, gifts and a practical help when, the, when our son Stanley was born. Um, some guys from my hive group came around and gardened my garden. It looked like the Amazon jungle. They came around and gave up a Saturday morning to garden my garden just because they loved me. No one saw it. There was no glory involved. Just because they loved me. I know that there are other stories here where people have done things out of love for you. Equally, there are as many stories here of people who have walked out of church, walked out of 645, feeling unloved, feeling hurt, feeling damaged by uh, wrong motives or wrong acts or insensitivities. Uh, this command challenges us to love each other uh, with a pure heart because this is the eternal stuff that lasts, the imperishable stuff of God. Well, our imperishable birth breeds imperishable love. And if you're feeling inadequate in the love department, uh, then perhaps our second point may help. Uh, the second point being that imperishable, our imperishable birth requires an imperishable diet. Our imperishable birth requires an imperishable diet. Uh, that's verse 2 of chapter 2. Have a look with me. Um, Peter says, like newborn infants, desire the spiritual milk so that you may grow uh, by it for your salvation, since you have tasted that the Lord is good. Uh, literally, that phrase, pure spiritual milk, says the wordy milk, and it's talking about God's word, the Bible. And he's saying Christians are to be like newborn babies when it comes to chewing up the good stuff, chewing up uh, God's word. Now, there's uh, a few people here who know firsthand what a newborn baby sounds like when it is deprived of its milk. 
I recorded Stanley in the week, but it is so piercing, his cry, uh, when, yeah, that I won't play it to you. Um, but you know what happens? Uh, you, you, take, uh, you take the milk away from a baby, or the baby wants the milk, and it does not say, oh, mummy, please may I have some milk. Uh, what does it do? It goes, wah, wah, wah. It, it goes crazy because it needs this milk. And Peter is saying here, we need to be like uh, newborn babies. If we're born of this imperishable word, uh, then we need to crave it, to crave the good stuff. Because that's where uh, this love is bred from. He's not just uh, getting on his preacher's hobby horse and say, read your Bible more. He's saying, if you want to experience the good life, if you want to experience the love that comes from a pure heart, if you want to grow up in your salvation, as it says, verse 2, then you need to crave, like a newborn baby, the pure spiritual milk. Now, we need to do that when it comes to coming here on a Sunday. We need to go uh, with the anticipation that we really want to feast on that word. And if we, uh, if we can't get there, we need to throw a tantrum. Uh, just like a baby. Uh, We need to be uh, craving that word in our hive groups, going, wanting to teach, wanting to learn, wanting to feed on this word. And we need to to do that personally as well. We need to do that personally as we read the Bible for ourselves. Now that's a a difficult thing and some of you may have fallen off the wagon on that front. Uh, You may, like me, have followed these uh, reading plans. Ever have they, anyone have these reading plans day by day by day? Now, I used to, I used to do those for the first, oh, I don't know, seven or eight years of being a Christian. Uh, and I kept feeling guilty as I fell off the wagon of craving this, uh, this milk. And so what I do now is I literally try and take this, this verse quite literally and crave a book of the Bible. So I'll pick a book of the Bible. At the minute, I'm actually doing uh, 1 Peter, and I will crave it. So I will read it for a long period of time. I will try and decipher it. I'll challenge myself with it. If I'm, in, if I'm on a bus, I'll have a little snack on it, trying to get my head around, trying to feast on it, to eat, to eat it so that I will grow up in my salvation. That's just a little aside. If you've, uh, if you've fallen off the wagon on those reading plans, try that, try that plan. I'll post an article on our Facebook page during the week about how you might do that uh, heartily. Uh, we are to crave Uh, We're to crave the Bible, and we're to crave it because of this beautiful verse, verse 3. Did you notice how good that is? Since you have tasted that the Lord is good. We're not just commanded to read your Bible. We're to do it because we've tasted that the Lord is good. Has anyone ever been to Cow and Moon Ice Cream Bar in Enmore? Anyone? Yeah, Yeah. It's pretty good. If you haven't been there, don't go there. Because uh, it will ruin you, okay? This ice cream is so good. It's amazing, right? Uh, and you will never eat streets ice cream again. Uh, you'll not even go for Messina's. Messina's is not as good as cow and moon. This stuff will ruin you. And so too, if we have tasted that the Lord is good, uh, we should be like that. Uh, we, should be ru- uh, we should be ruined by the word of God. Uh, we should... Uh, we should want to feast on it because we've tasted that is good. We should not uh, want to replace it with some substitutes. Uh, but that's easier said than done, isn't it? Too often we prefer the worldly milk and not the wordy milk. I don't know what you crave more than the word of God in the mornings. Facebook, 
the coffee, so I don't know. Uh, what do you crave more than the word of God? I'm sure there are a bunch of other things. John Piper says that we need to wean ourselves off the bosom of the world, to wean ourselves off the worldly milk and to get ourselves back on to the wordy milk. Why? Because the Lord tastes good. Now, it might be that you're not craving the word uh, because you have forgotten that it's the eternal word. It's the word that will last forever. It's the word that will produce love. Uh, You might have just forgotten how good the Lord is. You might have forgotten how good this gospel message, uh, the word that you heard. You might have forgotten just how good that is. You might have forgotten how good it feels to be rescued from hell and saved for heaven. You might have forgotten uh, what it means to be rescued from darkness and saved and brought into uh, God's glorious light. I was mulling over this in the week, and I remember becoming a Christian at the age of 18 and realizing that Jesus wasn't, uh, wasn't just myth, that he was history, and that he had died for me in my place to save me from hell, to save me for the new creation, eternity in a perfect world. And you couldn't remove the smile from my face. I'm English. I'm designed to be grumpy. And you couldn't remove the smile from my face. And I think too often I've forgotten that. I've forgotten just how good the Lord is. I've tasted him. And I need to feast on his word uh, like a, a newborn baby. Well, there are plenty of things that the world offers us in place of the wordy milk of God, isn't there? There is the stuff that looks like the word of God. There is the stuff of the world that offers uh, wisdom, that offers us to to grow up somehow in wisdom and maturity, but is not the word of God. Um, Nestle, back in the 80s, caused a scandal when they sent a whole bunch of uh, baby formula over to Mozambique, I think it was. And it caused a huge drama because uh, this, they sent this formula over. Uh, the, the women there were poor and therefore mixed this formula with contaminated water, which made their milk dry up, their breast milk dry up, and made their babies very sick because of this uh, dodgy water that they were mixing it with. It looked like milk. It tasted like milk. But it, it, it did anything but grow these kids up. It made them very poorly indeed. And there is a warning here for us uh, that if we don't crave the genuine stuff, if we don't crave the real wordy milk, then we will not grow up in our salvation. We will not, uh, we will not grow up. We will not mature. Our imperishable birth requires an imperishable diet of the word of God. And lastly, um, our imperishable birth brings an imperishable responsibility. That's verses uh, 4 to 10 of chapter 2. And you might notice that uh, in in verses 4 to 10 of chapter 2, that Peter quite unhelpfully switches his metaphor. So he leaves the delivery suite and he comes onto the construction site. And he talks about how God has got this construction plan founded on Jesus in which we are combined. So just have a look with me at verse 4. He uses, he speaks of us and Jesus alternate. Alternatively, he wrote, he 
he alternates between Jesus and us. So verse 4, he says, Coming to him, a living stone rejected by men, but chosen and valuable to God, you yourselves as living stones are being built into a spiritual house. See what Peter's doing here? He's telling us that Jesus, who was rejected by men, but chosen by God, is being built into a building in which we are following the path for. We are, we are part of. Uh, so we will be, re- he's saying, we will be rejected by the world, but we are chosen and precious to God. Uh, now he, um, he carries on uh, building this building. The, the, the stone that the dodgy builders uh, rejected has become the cornerstone, the foundation stone for this building. But just have a look with me at verse 9 uh, for the climax of what we are part of. He says, uh, but you, church by the bridge, 645, church by the bridge, are a chosen race. You guys sitting in front of me, looking at each other, are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. Why? So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, that is an enormous privilege, isn't it? I don't know why he would choose us. I don't know why he'd choose Andy Pierce uh, to be part of his chosen race. But he is saying that if you have been born of the imperishable word, if you are in God's family, if you've been saved for an imperishable future in his imperishable new creation, then you have this status as a royal priesthood. You are both a neon sign as the holy nation to show the world, uh, to show the world how good God is. Uh, you are that, and you are the dating agency, the royal priesthood. Priests brought man and God together, and that's what we are. How are we going to do it? Well, we're going to do it by proclaiming the praises of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. I wonder whether you've realize that privilege. That is what God is doing in you. He wants us to love each other. Uh, He wants us to love each other uh, with a pure heart. He wants us to love our world by being priests. Some of you may have gone out last night uh, uh, to Halloween as a priest, Um, but he wants us to go into the office as a priesthood, to act together as we plan and scheme for these new creations, to scheme like a priesthood, uh, working out how can we introduce our unbelieving friends and our unbelieving world to the imperishable word of God and the living hope that is found in Jesus. He wants us to be a holy nation, to be different to the world around us, to have different priorities, to work for different things, to spend our time differently so that the world would see us, so that they would see just how good God is. He wants us to know that as we are rejected, as we suffer persecution for, I don't know, the world inflicting its worldviews on us and making, uh, telling us that we must sign up to these worldviews, as we suffer hostility and persecution and slander for those things, he wants us to know that we are chosen, we are precious, we are God's possession. So that as we endure through these hard times, as God keeps us for our inheritance, uh, we can proclaim the praises of the one who called us out of darkness. That is a great privilege, isn't it? It's a great privilege. It's a challenging one. 
We've got tons uh, that we could go into here. There is a ton of other stuff. And as I said, take it, uh, take it home, chew on it, literally be like the newborn baby and feast on this word and feast on the next passage and come next week telling me what the passage is all about. Um, but as I leave you, I want to leave you with the question and ask you, what jersey will you wear this week? Church by the Bridge, 645, what jersey will we wear? Will we wear the, the Aussie jersey of a perishable glory and, love, uh, and loveless fellowship and ugly silence that does not speak of the good things that God has done in our lives? Or will we wear the imperishable jersey of the new birth, of the imperishable word of God? Will we be committed to the imperishable love amongst each other this week? Uh, not uh, some pipe dream in the future. Will we be committed to selfless, sacrificial, purposeful love, just like the love Jesus showed us? And will we feast on the imperishable word that will grow us up in our salvation and produce this love? And will we go into this week proclaiming the praises of the one who has been so very good to us? Let's pray there. Father, you know how easily we go after the things of this world, how so easily our natural birth shapes us, how easily